Father, we do thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that that's what separates us and uh, empowers us and causes us to be witnesses for you. We thank you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit can be given today. This morning, we can receive the Holy Spirit. This morning, we can receive salvation from our sins and we can accept Jesus as our Savior. And we can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. And we can receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Can these dry bones live? Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just keep playing, guys. Awesome. You know, there's a lot of ignorance about Holy Spirit, Day of Pentecost. We are known as Australian Christian churches. We are a Pentecostal church, and yet amongst our our group of churches, there'd be lots of different understandings of Pentecost. And I'm not trying to explain the definitive version of what the Holy Spirit is and what Pentecost is all about. But I'm hoping to give you an idea, a glance into what God has got planned and that the fact that God actually planned it right from the beginning of creation all the way through to Pentecost and even up to June 2019. Hallelujah. So let's look at some word. Let's do some experiencing for ourselves. I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal stuff to us today and then that we would be able to experience just like we've been singing. Experience God's presence. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have you ever thought about the fact that when Jesus came to earth and ministered amongst the people back there in Galilee and then went to the cross and died and rose again, that that wasn't the end of Jesus' ministry? Have you ever thought of that? That Jesus' ministry didn't culminate at the resurrection. It didn't even culminate at the ascension to heaven. There was more that Jesus promised. And the Father had a plan. Now, there's not too many things that are found in all four Gospels. Okay, Obviously, we have Jesus' death and burial and his resurrection. And there's the miracle of the 5,000 people being fed at one time. But that's about it when it comes to like across the whole of the Gospels. The record is uh, quite varied, except for one other thing. And it's John the Baptist. When he sees Jesus coming, in every Gospel, we read this. So let's have a look at John chapter 1 and verse 29. Actually, we'll start at verse 32. John chapter 1, 29 and 32. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. Speaking of Jesus. Verse 33, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, 
The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now that is referenced in each gospel. You know, when, when it's recorded one time, you take note of it. When it's recorded twice, it has a certain importance to it. When it's three times referenced throughout the gospels, there's, it's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. But when it's in every gospel, God is really trying to get something through to us. And I think this is the, the fact that his, God is saying to us, Jesus' ministry didn't finish at Calvary, didn't finish with the resurrection. It, it was leading to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the Gospels without the book of Acts are an incomplete picture of the ministry of Jesus. At the end of Luke's Gospel, we read this in Luke 24, verse 49. And now I will, this Jesus speaking, verse 49, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Just as my Father promised. The Father had a plan all along. And Jesus was leading people through his ministry to the point where they would be able to receive what the Father had planned was the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was ministering. So I had five points this morning. The Father plans, Jesus speaks, the disciples wait, the Spirit comes, and the church arises. So we're up to the second one. Jesus speaks. He spoke a lot about the coming of the Holy Spirit. That was the whole point of Jesus' ministry in many respects. In John chapter 7... And we'll start at 39, John chapter 7. There's a, a record of Jesus preaching at a festival. Went up to the temple in Jerusalem. And he's preaching. And he says about, if you're thirsty, come to me. And I'll give you living water. And this water will be in you. It'll be like a spring. It'll be flowing up from inside you. Now, when he said living water, reading from verse 39 of John 7, when he said living water... He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. It speaks of a time after Jesus' resurrection when Jesus went to heaven, ascended to heaven, to glory. And it points us to the day of Pentecost. It takes us from the celebration of the festival and it moves us forward into a time to come. In John's gospel as well, there are many uh, instances where Jesus sits down with his disciples and he's taking them aside. They ask him questions about faith and prayer and so on. But there's a very, very interesting part in John's gospel, which is towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry before he's arrested and taken to trial. And it's John chapter 14, 15 and 16. And in this section of the Gospel of John, interwoven and interlaced through all of Jesus' discourse with his disciples is references to the ministry and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And it's important because this is perhaps the last time that Jesus actually speaks to his disciples at length. And so he's putting it, packing into these, this last little discourse, if you like, this last little sitting down and talking, he's packing in the really important things. So if you'd like to turn with me to John 14 or look on the screen, John 14 and verse 15. John 14 and verse 15, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Pastor Kev has often said from the pulpit here, another of the same kind. He will give you another. Someone like me, Jesus is saying. And in the version in the New Living Testament, it says the advocate. And some versions of the Bible refer to the comforter. But in all of my reading of it, I think it's much better translated the encourager. The encourager, one who will put courage in. So Jesus is saying, don't worry. He will take my place and he will never leave you. There's two experiences, I guess, we're talking about in Pentecostal church. We, we talk about the salvation from sin and we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you are unsaved, if you don't know Jesus as your saviour and you're aware of your sin and you have a desperate situation, you don't know what to do, you need a saviour. No doubt about it. You need a saviour. If you are saved and you're wanting to live your life for Christ today, you need the encourager. You need the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to John. John 14 and verse 25. John 14, 25. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. What an amazing job the Holy Spirit does. Teaches us everything. Reminds us of everything. There's some uh, reference in, I think it's later in the book of John. It says, if everything was to be written down that Jesus did and said, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. But the Holy Spirit is the depository of everything that Jesus ever said and did and taught. And he has the ministry to remind us of those things. Amazing. John 15 and verse 25. This fulfills what's written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me and you must also testify about me. Another word for testify is witness. 
He will witness about me and you must also witness about me. So when the Holy Spirit comes, we will have the power to witness. In fact, you can infer from that statement that Jesus made that we were never actually meant to witness without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will allow us to be accurate and effective in our witness. He will encourage us when the people around don't really like the witness that we're bringing. When there's opposition, we need the Holy Spirit, the encourager. Let's move to John 16. John 16 and verse 5. Still in this same discourse, Jesus' last time with his disciples. John 16 and verse 5 We read, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. They were sad that Jesus was going away. Verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Let's just stop there for a second. Let's think the Holy Spirit is in heaven. Jesus is on earth. Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's, it's best that I go away. It's best that I go back to heaven. Because when I go back to heaven, then the Holy Spirit will come from heaven, come to earth. I really love that because it's an exchange. It's Jesus in bodily form going back to heaven so that we can know God in an intimate, personal way, even though we've never seen Jesus in a bodily form. I, I like it because it, it also means that, that we are not disadvantaged. All those first... Uh, believers, all those early church disciples, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, they definitely would have had an advantage because we never got to be with the literal body of Jesus. We never actually got to walk and talk and eat and joke and that kind of thing with Jesus. We, we wouldn't know Jesus. But because the Holy Spirit has come and he is the revealer of that truth and he is the depository of the revelation then those early believers, the first apostles, the first disciples, have got nothing really on us. Here we are in June 2019, and we have the same Holy Spirit that was given to those early church believers. And so there's no distinction between them and us. We have access to exactly the same opportunity in God and the revelation from God that those early believers had. I love what it says in the Amplified version of that, when it says, um, it's best for you that I go away. The Amplified version says, it is profitable, expedient, and advantageous. How good is that? Uh, Let's go back to the gospel again. John 16, and we'll go verse 13. John 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. 
He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The reference here is to he. He will tell you. So we, we sometimes think God the Father, I can understand that Father, I've got that concept. God the Son, understand that, got that concept. God the Holy Spirit, oh. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> but because we know from the, the way Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, he's referring to the Holy Spirit as a he, a person, So Holy Spirit has got personality. Holy Spirit has got the same kind of attributes and characteristics that a person has. So we can talk to the Holy Spirit. We can listen for the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can make the Holy Spirit happy. We can get to know the Holy Spirit. All of the things that we might um, do with a, a personal relationship, like person to person here, we can do with the Holy Spirit. My person to his person. And of course, Jesus is reflecting again, the Holy Spirit can't come if I don't go away. It's all for the believers on earth to know that Jesus has, has to go, the Holy Spirit has to come, the Holy Spirit will continue to receive revelation, which he will then pass on to us. It's all those things that God has said. So the disciples had to wait. And that's my third point. The disciples wait. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, we see it says, During the next 40 days, after Jesus had suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I just thought about that too. He was actually alive. He proved to them that he was actually alive. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. For us today, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Verse 4, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. That's the Father's plan all along. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's the final word that Jesus has to say. Wait, and in just a few days. Don't start preaching. Don't start witnessing. Just wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Just a few days. It's been 40 days already. Wow, man, convincing proofs. Um, The Amplified Bible says unquestionable evidence. The disciples witnessed Jesus' resurrection reality. Now, did they have a story to tell or what? Did they have a story to tell? And yet, Jesus says, wait, don't, don't, what's that phrase? We have the bull at the gate. My dad used to say, don't be like a bull at the gate. Wait. And yet, the only people that knew this great story were the small group of believers. 
The Bible says uh, around about 120 of them at this stage. And uh, outside of that group, nobody knew that Jesus had resurrected. There were some rumours which the Romans tried to squash and the Jewish leaders tried to squash. So pretty much for the rest of greater Jerusalem, it was just back to business as usual. And there was no urgency. Like we just pick up where we left off. Passover had finished. We're into the coming up to the Feast of Pentecost. It was seven, Pentecost, by the way, was seven times seven weeks. It's called the Feast of Weeks. Seven times seven. And then the Sabbath after that was the 50th day. And that was the day of Pentecost. So that was coming. But everything else just looked business as usual. Jesus was gone. He was out of sight. Let's just forget about it and move on. There'll be another pretender, another Messiah coming up. But the Spirit was about to come. Many versions of Acts chapter 2 begin with when the day of Pentecost had fully come. But the one we're reading today from the New Living Testament, uh, New Living Translation, just says on the day of Pentecost. Um, so the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit came and just in just a few hours the whole of Jerusalem was in an uproar. Um, everybody had heard the gospel story that Jesus had risen, the testimony. And then at the end of the day, sun goes down, 3,000 people are added to the group. So there's a small group of 120 that are waiting. End of the day, 3,000 people have joined the group, have recognized they needed a saviour, have been instructed in what to do. They asked the question. Peter told them what to do. They've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they are part of the church. Now, one of the Bible teachers I used to listen to a lot in New Zealand was a guy called Derek Prince. Um, some of you might be familiar with his ministry. He, he was the most um, sullen of all preachers uh, in his delivery um, so I will, I will read uh, this quote from Derek Prince in a pseudo-Derek Prince um, tone so that those of you who don't know Derek Prince may get some idea of what he was like. If all you need to do is get to heaven, all you need is to be saved, born again. But if you have to live for Christ on earth and live a life that counts and is effective then you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's true, but it doesn't really inspire you, does it? <laughs> but what he's saying is, if all you want to do is get to heaven, you just need to be saved. But if you want to live a life for Christ on earth now and be effective, you need the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, let's go there now. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 Here's the, the account in the uh, book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, verse 1, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, 
and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Verse 4, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This turned Jerusalem upside down. Again, love the Amplified Version. It says, they were astonished, bewildered, and beside themselves with amazement. Reading on in Acts chapter 2 and verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Let's go down to uh, verse 11. Uh, And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Well, in response to that question, what does this mean? Peter begins to preach. And he preaches uh, what is the first, probably the first spirit-filled sermon ever preached. Um, He, at the end, runs the first ever altar call ever run. And the people are amazed. They say, this guy's just from Galilee. How does he know all of this? I'll tell you how he knows it all. It's promised by Jesus from the Father that the Holy Spirit was going to be the one who revealed truth. The Holy Spirit was going to be the one that would say the things that God had intended all along and would be the revealer of those things. That's how he knew it. And what a funny claim. They're just drunk. That's all. Um, That's ridiculous. I mean, there were so many people there that understood the good news of God, what God had done in their own language. It couldn't have been commenting on that part because that was understandable. Maybe it was just all babbling. I don't know. But I, I thought maybe it's when... When people receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's a certain joy that comes. Maybe it was the fact that the people were so happy, so joyous, that they hadn't witnessed that before. Or maybe it was because the people were so peaceful. Or maybe it was because the people had experienced a release. Maybe demon spirits and sicknesses and all those kind of things might have come off them. Maybe it was just that they were right with God. Peter was basically saying from the prophet Joel in chapter 2, he was saying, what you're seeing here, over here, this, what you're seeing here, is that. What was prophesied in the book of Joel. This is the outworking of the Holy Spirit prophesied in the book of Joel in the Old Testament. The supernatural sights and sounds. This is all the result of the baptism. This joy that you see. This peace that you see, this release that you see, it's all a result of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a fantastic word. Ben used this word earlier. He talked about the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is like immersion and an infilling and then an outpouring. Now, when I was looking for the... uh, all the, all the rest of the guys come up too, all the band. That would be awesome. Um, when I was looking for the Greek word 
for baptize is actually there's two words there's baptizo and there's bapto this probably might be where the baptists get theirs because they can be called baptos i don't know but anyway they said the best the best definition that explains the difference between the two words is by a greek poet and physician called nicander he lived about 200 bc so it's not a poem, it's actually a recipe for making pickles. So I will just um, read you the recipe and you'll understand the difference. Um, so it's helpful because it uses both words. Well, Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped, which is bapto, dipped into boiling water, and then baptizo uh, or baptized in the vinegar solution. So you dip it in the boiling water and then baptise it in vinegar. Now, both verbs concern the immersing of the vegetable in a solution, but the first is temporary. Just dip it in, pull it out. But the second is the act of baptising the vegetable, which produces the permanent change. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you think of the pickle, you dip and out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in and immerse. And permanent change. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it's immersion, it's infilling, and then very important, it's the outflowing. Jesus said to his disciples, you will need to testify. You will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's the outflowing. The church arises. 3,000 added. Acts chapter 2. And verse 32. And Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're all witness of this. Now he's exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven. Peter is speaking in his first sermon. At God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And then Peter goes on to say, You must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to those who are far away. And some versions refer to those who are Gentiles. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Peter continued preaching for a long time. Wow, it must have been a great sermon. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. At the end, those who believed what Peter said were baptized, added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. What should we do? What should we do? I'm going to offer an opportunity this morning for you to do something. I'm going to offer an opportunity if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a stirring in your, inside of you and you think, I've got to do something. I know that God is real and I know that I need to do something. I can recall sitting in a seat much like what you're sitting in now and my stomach was going... I later found out 
that that is one way the Holy Spirit gets our attention, that we feel like we need to, but we don't want to. We don't want to kind of get involved. But that's what the Holy Spirit's work is, to draw us to Jesus. So if you're in that position today, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to get to know God in a personal way.